This podcast is brought to you by Score Foundation. Hi, my name is George Abraham and welcome to Iway Conversations. My guest today is Adriana Galani. She's from Romania, lives in Austria, is married to an Indian and sings Indian music. Hi Adriana, welcome. Hello, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm very glad to be here. So Adriana, uh, you sing Indian music being a Romanian. Yes, I do and I still wonder how did it happen now after so many years of singing. It happened that my family my mom used to love Indian movies. She was into Bollywood and that time of 70s Romania was uh, having quite an access to the Indian cinema for some reason. Right. So um when I was 7 that was 1985 she brought me to cinema because she said well there's a lot of music come on let's let's go for it and She brought me to Yadav Ki Bharat and there I heard the songs and for some reason I started singing and I said well I love this one thing it sounds quite nice <laughs> So, so this was, is how it it all started So which was the song you started with The title song <laughs> Yadav Ki Bharat Exactly that's how I started <laughs> So did you get into any kind of formal training in music after that No absolutely not because I couldn't afford that time and uh, for us like traveling to india was not the way it is today you just take a plane and 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 fly you know it was some some dream which will most probably never come true so it's all right to just dream about it no 1985 uh, romania was still part of the eastern bloc right yes and uh, how is it different now from what it was uh, in in the 1980s meaning with uh, the break away from the soviet bloc meaning what is the real difference that is that you see See we were under Ceausescu that time and the times were difficult um the times today are not easy either but it's a difficult it's a different way of of difficult times at that time we how shall i say we didn't have much to live with but we had lot to live for right and that made a difference now we have so much comfort but i somehow feel we we lost the aim um, we keep you know people have so much freedom of expression that at times is a bit too much there is so much uh, information all over and we don't know anymore which one is valid which one is not i'm not regretting those times but i'm not particularly sure what we have now is good either so i think it's for the self to find a balance <laughs> so economy wise uh, has romania changed uh, for the better since then absolutely absolutely um that time there was not much on on food you had to really struggle to get even milk for that matter i used i used to get up with my father when i was a child and we used to go very very early uh, to to pick up milk otherwise we won't we won't get because first comes first serves first served and um, uh, there was a, a oil crisis like cooking oil we hardly got any sugar and there were hard times but somehow we made the best out of it and i'm glad i went through it even though it was tough um i 
know that I can still live with very little if I have to. So that's my advantage after all. <laughs> well, that's a very nice way of looking at it. Uh, so uh, you have an eye problem. When did this eye problem happen? Was it from birth or is it something that crept in to your life sometime later? No, I'm blind by birth um, and my father is also blind. So most probably it was uh, something I, I uh, got from my father. And uh, I could see for half a year when I was around six or seven, but not much, just shadows and lights and the different between, difference between uh, light and dark. I used to look in the, you know, this... Um, uh, what do you call it from the chocolate that shiny paper i used to love yeah. looking at it because it was so shiny and beautiful and in the night i remember we didn't have the street lights you know so i used to love going uh, at the window and looking the moon through the branches that was a very beautiful view i'm still remembering but thereafter after the six months there was a transplantation they've done that time and after six months the body didn't tolerate so that was it so, so i'm um, fully blind so in a country like Romania, what were the kind of resources available for a blind child growing up in terms of learning, in terms of developing as a person? Mm, I was um, in a school for the blind my first six years. I learned Braille. Yeah. Um, it was a kind of a um, school where you go and, you know, like our usual schools for the blind, it was that one was some 200 kilometers away from home. So I used to go during the semester, come back on holidays, um, be with other kids. Um, and, and the condition during those times, the conditions were not particularly good. That time I learned what hunger means. Uh, that time I learned what, what being cold means and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it, they, were, they were tough times, but I learned Braille. I learned a lot of things and thereafter I shifted. My parents decided that school was maybe not as good as they in the beginning thought. And then I shifted the school in Transylvania, right. in Cluj-Napoca. And there I finished my high school. And thereafter I came back to, to Bucharest, where I am basically from. That's the main city of Romania. Yeah. I studied physiotherapy and massage. And thereafter, I came back to Cluj. I went to the university. So, and from Cluj, I flew to India. So, what brought you to India? Uh, basically, I came through a, an art of living camp, which happened in Bangalore in 2006. Oh. It was oh. a Silver Jubilee celebration. Right. And this is what I came for initially. And uh, I liked it so much that I really wanted to, to have a job in India, which more or less worked. But then I had to return to Europe for a working visa because I was not supposed to apply from inside the country. Yeah. And here I met my husband. And right. as I never thought of marriage in my life, because that was surely not, not my priority, right. that's exactly what happened. <laughs> you met him in Bangalore? No, I met him here in Vienna. If you know of anyone with vision impairment who needs guidance on living life with blindness, please share the IVA National Toll Free Helpline number 1800532069. The number is 1800532069. Tell me a little bit about your own family. 
I have my my father still. Yeah. Um, I'm traveling every now and then because uh, I want to spend as much time as possible with him. Yeah. My mom is gone in 2015. Yeah. I have my brother. I have a brother who is two years older than me. Yeah. And is a beautiful daughter. And uh, with my sister-in-law, they are they are all there. And of course, plenty of friends and um, loads of relatives. You mentioned <laughs> earlier that your father was also blind. and uh, it probably is a genetic thing in the family most probably yes yeah so what is the kind of profession a blind person your dad in particular what does he do mm-hmm. and what was he doing and uh, what do uh, blind uh, people growing up uh, what do they aspire to be and what are they normally doing see it very much depends on what environment you are growing into and that's i think available everywhere you know right uh, my father was as well in a school for the blind and uh, he didn't have the possibility to study too much he was um, he was studying in a regular school and thereafter he had a school um, he has studied in a school for tuning pianos that's a very interesting one right this is what he had learned and yeah. thereafter he became a musician he became right. a musician and he was um he was working for a band for from a form of blind people in romania and that happened for almost 30 years right and thereafter he retired right so the opportunities for blind people are now increasingly better you can study which i was also able to do um there before in my father's time it was of course not the case you would have this so called protected jobs you would uh, just either sing or do brushes or massage but not much more than that now it's a bit different now the opportunities are a bit more even though you have to struggle like everywhere you get to to work if you want to and if with a little bit of luck so let's talk a little bit more about your music <clears throat> meaning uh, you discovered uh that uh, music was part of your life and uh, uh and and then uh, how did you proceed with this uh, music because it's it's uh, been a big part of your life it appears it's actually the main part of my life i feel right. um it's what i'm doing most no matter of mood um it helps me when i'm down and uh, it keeps me going also so basically i'm a hobby singer i have never really studied that way i i was a learning by doing person and um i'm recording at home my songs and thereafter yeah. i have plenty of friends in india and in pakistan who are um a bit more correcting my diction and who are mixing my songs because that's something i am still lacking knowledge for Right. So I'm just sending the karaoke and the voice and um they will they will put put things together and make it sound nice. I don't see music as a profession. Music is a hobby and I'm actually glad I didn't make it a profession because then I think I would have lost the joy of singing. Once right. you're into industry, I've been I've been I in 2007 I met uh Ravindra Jain sir. Yeah. And he was telling me to stay back. and get into industry he was ready to 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 offer me his support yeah then i i was really afraid i'm going to lose i'm going to lose the joy of singing because i'll have to sing what people are asking for or what what the demand is like and i was afraid i this was something i i couldn't think of losing so that's why i'm still keeping it for me i'm happy with 
44 that I can still sing what I like and not what someone is telling me to. <laughs> so uh, can I kind of ask you to maybe sing a few lines of a Hindi song uh, for our listeners? Of course. <laughs> Just a few lines naturally. I will I will I'm I'm not a shy one, you know, when it comes to singing I sing anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That was wonderful. Um, who, uh, meaning you are a fan of Lata Mangeshkar or a fan of Asha Bosley or of somebody else? I am a fan of whoever I like. <laughs> I'm a fan of everyone. I like Lata Mangeshkar, of course. She, you see, she, she's the singer who has accompanied me ever since I was listening to All India Radio as a child with a metal wire connected to the heater and the radio because this is how I got to the short waves to get the terrible audition but still it was there and I enjoyed and it was her who I was I was listening mostly um, thereafter I got to know a bit more and Alka Yagnik and Shreya Goshal and Asha Bosley yes I like but when I have to choose between the two sisters I am still inclined towards Lata Mangeshkarji so most of your music is on YouTube and uh, those kind of platforms it's mostly on YouTube yeah yeah, maybe you could just uh, mention if somebody would like to kind of log in, uh, what do they look for? If one looks for Adina Galani, I have my own channel there. So um, one can find me quite quite easily. To support our work with the blind and visually impaired, you can visit the donate page on our website www.scorefoundation.org org.in please note www.scorefoundation.org.in you worked with children uh, and in in a end of life kind of um, uh, setup so what was your work like over there basically um you just as a as a therapist in uh, Romania of those times, I was classified and qualified as a end of life care therapist. Right. Um, that means you go and um, you're talking to children. So yeah. now, what about your talking? It's it's a subject which usually people don't want to talk about for some reason. You talk about the end and you are trying to address their fears and as much as possible, take them away, howsoever way professionally possible. And um, that's that's what I did for quite a few years. Um, and I, I must say, as much as it may not sound particularly pleasant, I enjoyed that particular job because there was a, there is a job where not many people want to go into. Right. Um, this is exactly what convinced me because I was having to do during the university study, I was having to do a certain number of practicing hours. This is what we used to call them. So that means you go in certain places or in different places, do your practice, sort of go and listen and look around and see what people are doing for a certain number of hours. Then you get your paper that you did it. And with that, it is all fulfilled. So what happened? I was called in a hospital for kids because I knew someone. I knew a doctor there. So he said, well, come and fulfill the hours here. 
So okay. I was like, mm, I don't think so. It's too emotional. I don't think so. I don't manage. So he said, well, come look. And if you don't manage, go back. And I went into that particular clinic. I will never forget. And um, I was there with a girl till her last minute because no one else was was available. So I had to stay. And thereafter, he came and told me, see, if you are not there, she would have gone on her own. Yeah. So that's what convinced me to just stay. And after finishing my practice, he said, okay, now you have your contract. There we go. Are you still involved with that kind of work or you moved on? I am not involved with that kind of work because in Austria, the, the mentality is a bit different. Right. But in Romania, yes, I am in touch. Um, I'm doing online uh, counseling as well every now and then. And uh, <laughs> they are all telling me that I keep my vacancy still free. If I think any time, I can any time go back. I also believe that uh, you dabbled in Reiki for a while. There was a teacher, Reiki trainer, teacher, and she was um, very kind to me. She said, I want to teach you no matter what. You may not need now, but you might need later. So I didn't want, like music, and I went into it a bit more deeply and a bit more like I got the insight of it. I realized that I don't want to do it as a profession because I was afraid I would lose it. Yeah. So I kept it for me and I didn't even talk about it for a long time. I I was practicing it with the kids, especially with the children. They were very, very receptive. And I, I did that sort of energy transfer and intention and I could I could manage to bring them at peace. There were doctors actually who were many times laughing. They used to say, well, <laughs> we don't need medicines when you're there somehow. I don't know what you're doing then to them. You're not even looking at them and still they are, <laughs> they are getting peaceful. How did COVID impact uh, the two of you and uh, how did COVID impact life in general in the city you live in? See, I am uh, I'm not an anxious person. I'm a mm -hmm. cautious one, yes, but I'm not anxious. So I did what what the government says we had to do so we we respect the rules um yeah it was a bit tough when we had to ju just sit at home and then we thought well we have to keep our heads busy otherwise we'll go nuts and that's not nice and um this is what what we did what i still find difficult is i don't know if this is with with everyone or with anyone at all when i'm wearing the mask I personally think, I think it's it's sort of influencing my orientation for some reason. I get a feeling that I all the time have somehow something in front of me. And uh, that's probably the most difficult thing I have to deal with during COVID. Um, otherwise, well, I yes, it was tough. It was tough on, on everyone and anyone, especially that I couldn't meet my father for two years because my father is an asthma patient and I was afraid to go, even though many times I could. But I was afraid to go there because I was thinking, well, even if I am uh, having it and I'm not feeling anything, and if I give it further, I will not be able to forgive myself for it. So that was a that was a tough one thing. But um, yeah, otherwise we we managed. I mean, ordering online, uh, like food and stuff like that, it was not not really difficult. It took a while for people to adjust and for us as well. But um, people on the road were behaving quite normal. They helped as usually when you're need you're in need of. It it was it was a change for sure. But we managed. How do the people? On an average, the so-called non-disabled people, how do they kind of respond? Are they welcoming? Uh, are they open to relationships? 
are they open to having you home or coming to your place meaning how, how does it work this is a very burning thing everywhere i think um yes people are getting better and better by day in the sense um it's it's also depending on us how we communicate how how we say what we can do what we want to do what not um i'm most of the time alone on my way because uh, this is what how we are used to and even though we have the possibility to have someone with us every now and then or most of the time i still don't want because i don't want to lose the mobility uh, capacity and therefore i face lot of uh, loads of people on the road who want to help and they come and ask hey how you do this how you do that how you navigate your phone how you go to computer how you work on computer and stuff like that so on this level people started asking they don't feel odd to ask anymore and that's that's a very very important step in my view that people are very open towards knowing what blindness means when it comes to relationship that's a different story or story altogether because as you know probably i'm almost sure even if even our blind people don't really want to put up with a blind person as a life partner because they think it might be difficult so that's a hot theme hot discussed theme for for everyone it's depending very much from person to person uh my family for instance that's why they were a bit unhappy when when i got to know my husband because they wanted for me someone who can see because they couldn't see beyond those practical aspects of life you know like uh personally i think someone in your situation can understand you a bit better and with the technology now there is hardly anything anything we are missing upon even as two blind people but that's a totally different subject altogether when it comes to relationship yes things are still a bit tough especially as a blind woman as a blind man it's a bit a bit easier sort of for some or the other reason do you folks cook at home or uh... you you order all the time i don't like outside food <laughs> so i am mostly cooking at home mostly indian food there are a few dishes mind likes uh, from here also so i am cooking those also but i am a daily cooking person if not thrice then twice a day for sure because i don't enjoy outside food <laughs> once in a while once in a really blue moon i think i can count on my hand how many times a year we go out and eat it's very very rare so uh would i be safe in kind of saying that you love cooking i love cooking that's something which relaxes me fully and while cooking i'm also singing so i can combine the two very well <laughs> and uh, where did you learn your indian cooking did you learn it from your uh, in-laws or you picked it up on your own i picked it up first when i was in mumbai um in 2006 because uh, even though i was flying for bangalore i was in bangalore for two weeks and there after a few months in mumbai with another friend of mine right so um, basically the base of indian cooking i learned from uh, that person's servant there was a lady she came yeah. home cooking every day and uh, okay after a few quick hard bits which i gave her when i took the knife in my hand and i started cutting vegetables and she was like oh my god don't cut yourself and don't burn yourself <laughs> and stuff like that 
So thereafter, she got used to it. And uh, I told her, I said, well, if you need some heart medicines, then take them beforehand. And thereafter, come here. I want to learn. I like it. And I don't want to be dependent on someone or the other to come daily and cook my food because there I have no Indian lady to come. So thereafter, of course, I picked up mostly from my sister-in-law, Mahindra's uh, brother's wife. Yeah. Then uh, there it went a bit more specific because uh, she's a... She's, they are Gujarati, so I learned a bit more of the Gujarati food, whereas the lady I was living with, she was South Indian. So there I learned more idlis and uh, stuff. So in my husband's home, uh, I learned Gujarati food, how to cook Gujarati food. And thereafter here, while being in the community, which is mostly formed from uh, Punjabi and North Indians, I learned also a little of, of Punjabi cooking. So I, I manage sort of everything, sort of. Excellent. Thank you so much, uh, Adina, for uh, taking the time and uh, speaking to us and sharing uh, nuggets from your life. And uh, it's enjoyable. Wish you and Mahindra the very best. And uh, keep smiling. Keep enjoying mm-hmm. life. Thank you very much for the invitation. Thanks a lot. I This podcast was brought to you by Score Foundation.